0: y'all ready to get in the word this morning? Yeah. And I hope those are online ready to get in the word with us. We pray that you're ready to receive. I've got a new series for you for the next three weeks, uh, but I, I want to start with a disclaimer before I get into this so that you don't think that the only reason I did this was because of all the things we were going through. I had already kind of set my course. Uh, you know, people are like, well, Pastor Ben saying all these great songs about, you know, God's got us and we're going to get breakthrough in this. He must have wrote those because of what's going on. And Literally, he'd already picked the set list before we got to Sunday. So uh, everything that we planned was, I guess, orchestrated by God to lead us up into this moment. Uh, I want to say this before I get into this message. I, I, I don't want to be lighthearted. I, I really, I thought about doing some funny things. I thought about going and buying a hazmat suit and walking out here to preach in it <laughs> with a full mask. I thought about all kinds of stuff, but I didn't want people to get offended because they were like, oh, he's making light. It's a serious situation, blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing of it. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And sometimes we got to find joy even in the midst of chaos, okay? And so I, I want to I say this. I want to say this. I know the grocery store shelves are empty. I, I know that people are rude at the store. Amen. I, I saw that yesterday. Um, if you're looking for paper towels, Lowe's got a lot of them. Um, uh, it, it, whatever it is, here's what I want you to do. Tiff, Tiff came to me this beginning of this week. She said, do we need to go to the grocery store? I said, just breathe. Just breathe. It's okay. She's like, but babe, oh, do we need to go? I said, babe, just breathe. Because this is how hysteria works. That's right. yeah. That's right. There is a balance to it. There is a swing to it. And so I just want to speak this to you for a second. I want you to let go of fear and grab a hold of faith. Yeah. If you watch, if you study this thing long enough, if you look into it hard enough, you're going to find out that it is not as big as what the media has created. So I want us, no matter what, or no matter what, we have to hold on to faith in this moment. We've got to hold on to God because here's what's going to happen. We're either going to sound like the masses or we're going to become a voice in the wilderness. You understand what I'm saying to you? We're either going to sound like everybody that's afraid because the world's going to end or you and I are going to become the voice in the wilderness that are calling them out and to declare and decree where we're headed as a people and watch them come and adhere to the God that we serve and we might just see the church become the leading force in all of this. I, I, and I'm going to say this to you. You might, not, you might not subscribe to certain political beliefs or certain people who are politicians, but I will say this about our president. He declared today would be a national day of prayer. Why? Because he understands that God has to lead the way in this before anything. And so I, I'm, not to, I'm not trying to get you in this space where you go, well, oh, he must be a Trump guy. No, I'm a God guy. I need you to understand that before I get into this, because I think this is where we got to be. Stop calling your mom and asking you what you're going to do. Why don't you call on Jesus and tell him to find out what he wants you to do? Maybe he might give you peace in the middle of it. And so whether you're at home, I understand that they've told the elderly to stay at home or the the older people to stay at home just because of situations or whatever. God has got us, and we're not going to rest until this thing is finished, and we're going to stand back and watch God's goodness. Amen. All right, so let me get into the word now. I needed to give you that disclaimer. As much as I don't want to seem cliché to the issue we're dealing with, there is a common thread that is appearing not only in people who are not believers, but even in believers in this moment. And it is my job right here today to strengthen and encourage you as you walk through this so that our testimony stands firm. That we are able to demonstrate our faith, lay down our fears, and so that we can declare the goodness of God. Let me say this to you. This is not the first crisis you've ever been in. This will not be the last crisis you ever deal with. But we serve a God who says through every trial and tribulation that he always makes a way of escape. Can I just say this to you for a second? It is amazing to me how those that can declare by faith that God can do the impossible, the moment the news says that the impossible has arrived, they subscribe to the impossible and make God an impossible God. And I'm going time out. Where is the God that we serve—the God of Elijah, the God of Jeremiah, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac? Where is that God that we say we serve that can move mountains and shake the culture and shake the world? But yet this little news flash comes across—a COVID nineteen coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. Now all of a sudden we're going to shut off because oh God, it's it's the zombie apocalypse. You watch too much TV. That is not what we're dealing with here. And now we have an opportunity. If you have been looking for your opportunity to declare God in the midst of a crisis, this is it. Because people are now going, what are you going to do? 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 I'm going to go and uh, watch TV for a little bit. Watch a movie when I get home. Maybe eat some lunch. I'm going to call my bed tonight. Trust me, I'm going to rest real easy. I'm going to wake up in the morning because the same God that I went to bed with is the same God that's going to wake me up tomorrow morning. And then on Tuesday, I'm going to do it all over again. And on Wednesday, I'm going to do it again. On Thursday, I'm going to do it again until all this stuff is over with. And we're going to move forward. And for those that are losing family members, we are praying for you. For those that are sick, we are praying for you. We're not lighthearted to it, but we're not going to subscribe to pain over the promise. And so I just need you to understand, this is not the only crisis you're ever going to walk through. So just stand firm. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in God. Pastor, you don't know. You're You're a pastor. You're not a doctor. No, but I serve the doctor. For he says, I am the I am. I serve the one that either starts or finishes. And he, he leads it all. And so I'm not, I'm not freaked out by this. Now, now, you might go, Pastor, Pastor, you just, if the news is killing you, turn it off. If you're tired of social media, click it off. If there are things out there that are causing you to waver in your faith in God, turn it off. Somebody said, Pastor, you can watch the news. I just want to find out what they're going to say next. But you're not, no, I don't care because I know the God that we serve. So this morning, I'm going to start a series that I had already started, but now I want to get you into it, and it just happens to line up with where we stand today, and that is a sermon called Christ Is. Christ Is, if I could give it a secondary term, it would be from crisis to Christ Is. Hmm from crisis, from the struggles that we lived in to the one that came to deliver us. Can we pray real quick before we get into this word this morning? Father, I thank you for those that are in this room, for those that are watching online, and I thank you that this word is going to set us free. I'm not hoping it sets us free. God, I know it will set us free because your word says your word will set us free. So, Father, what you speak in this moment, what you declare in us this moment, God will take us from this place. And we will leave the spirit of fear in this house to die, and we will walk out by faith, Declaring and decreeing the goodness of God, knowing that no matter what crisis, from this one to the next one, Father, whatever we walk through, you are always with us. We declare that not just into this room, but we declare that unto all generations. Father, that you are with us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. In order for you to understand where we are going over these next few weeks, I need to give you a couple of definitions. I'm going to give these to you. You'll hear them for the next few weeks. Don't feel really you got to write it down today. You can go home and look them up if you want to. But let me give you the first one. The word crisis. Crisis is defined as this. A condition of instability or danger. A condition of instability or danger. Y'all think that's happening right now? As in social, economic, political, or international affairs. Leading to a decisive change. Can I can I just say this to you? Believers should be excited when crisis comes. Pastor, how can you? Why would you be excited over a crisis? Did you read the last part of that definition I just said? It says an economic, social, political, international affairs leading to what? A decisive change. A decisive change. See, you see crisis as pain. I see God, crisis as God's opportunity to show how big He is. He goes on and says a dramatic, emotional, or circumstantial upheaval in a person's life. All oh, your toilet paper is gone. <laughs> By all definitions of what Webster's Dictionary declares a crisis is, this is where we are in society. Go take. I saw pictures of Sam's Club yesterday, and I was like, What in the world happened? People like came in from other countries and took our stuff. I don't know what happened. I mean, I thought Sam's Club would never run out. I, could you see people going home with, like, those industrial rolls of toilet paper? I mean, like, I'm like, my God. We're, we're in a crisis according to definitions. We're, we're in a crisis according to definition. But, but, but where are we going to go from here? Well, here's the thing. I need you to know that in the midst of our crisis, we serve a God that shall supply all of our needs. Right. According to what? According to his riches and glory. Why, why is it that we think it's supply all of my needs according to my own emotions and desires and thoughts? He says, I'm going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think according to the power. Now, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. You're never going to see the exceedingly abundantly if you don't believe that the exceedingly abundantly exists. So we're sitting in this moment of crisis, and I need you to understand that God's got you. And so how do we go from crisis to crisis? Well, you need to understand what Christ is. The word Christ is defined as this, to anoint or the anointed one. So here's what I'm saying here. you got to leave your struggle and get under the anointing. According to Isaiah 27, the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. That's what the Bible declares. It is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. If you are not under the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God, you are living in your crisis. You have birthed a home in this thing. You have taken residence in it. And you would rather complain than worship. And God says, listen, in order for you to leave crisis, you got to pick a new destination. You can't just step outside the house and say, I left it. You know, you're still in the front yard, baby. You got to move away. You got to pack your belongings, put them in the truck, and move from your crisis to where Christ is. Because when you move to where Christ is, now the anointing is upon you, and the burden and the yoke goes away. People are burdened right now. How many of y'all were burdened when the news came out? Come on, tell me for just a second. No, Pastor, I wasn't burdened at all. Why? Some of y'all were like, God, what do we got to do? God, How many of y'all were burdened when they found out school was closed for a month? Okay, all right, all right, now now, I want to, see, that's the pandemic right there, <laughs> that's the pandemic, what What am I going to do with my kids, somebody else watched them every day, and now I got to, okay, Tim's like, where are we going to put them, I'm like, I don't know, dig a hole in the backyard, put them in there, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, it, it, it's, it's funny, the pandemic is more what we have lost rather than what happened, amen, Um But the anointing has to be a part of what gets us out. Listen to me. This is not just over the situation we're dealing with right now. This is in every situation. Where do you go when you go through a tough time? Where do you submit yourself? Where do you move to? Do you stay in the problem or do you change locations? Do you change addresses? Do you submit your address change form to heaven so that you are not getting mail at the old house? Are you shifting yourself or are you just staying there? Can I just say this? We have been cultured to stay in crisis because the problem with a crisis is that means there's an evil in the earth, and then that gives God validity in our lives. Mm, Help you. We see God as Superman who needs to come save us, so we have to have a bad guy. But do you understand that your Bible says that Christ overcame the bad guy? So why do we keep dwelling with the bad guy? Because we have been cultured to have problems rather than promise. We've been cultured to have struggles rather than a savior. We've been cultured to have whine and complain rather than to declare and decree. And God says, listen, you can stay in your crisis or you can come to me. Come unto me all ye that are weak and heavy laden. And I shall give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. I says My yoke is easy and my burden's light, but I flipped around, but it all makes the same sense at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the church has to have a voice in this moment. And you as believers have to lift up your voice and stop whining and complaining. Can I just say this? It is very hard to stand in a service, lift up your hands in worship, and tell God how great he is. And then when you go home, flip on the news and ask God where he went. God says, I never slumber, nor do I sleep. I change not. I'm always there. I'm omnipresent. I'm... So where are you? You know what? I'm going to stay in the Christ is. I'm going to stay under the anointing. We cannot afford to make our home in the midst of a crisis, but declare who Christ is In the middle of it. So this morning, I'm going to give you two different storylines to help you understand two different characteristics of who God is in the midst of what might seem to you as a crisis. Over the next three weeks, I'm going to give you six different personas that God is. And that is just touching the tip of it. It is not the fullness of it. Because I I would literally preach for the next 40 years just doing that. But this is what I want to give to you this morning. So turn in your Bibles with me to the book of John chapter 4. The book of John chapter 4. When you got it, scream at me and say, I got it. That was not screaming. Amen. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Hello. Now, don't claim it if you didn't bring your Bible this morning. Amen. Don't do that. The Lord sees you. All right. Amen. All right. We're going to hear that for the next turns. I got it. Let's get to the end of the service. I got it. Oh, well. Praise the Lord. They found it. Amen. The book of John, chapter 4, verse 46, it says this. It says, And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, and if you underline in your Bibles, I would encourage you to underline this one point of scripture. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. If I could probably give it to you in in volume. He didn't say it very calmly. He was like, look, Jesus... Come down before my child dies. You're sitting here talking and I need you to do something. And he goes on and and, and Jesus said to him in verse 50, he says, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives, and he himself believed and his whole household. Let me say this to you, in your crisis. Now, this might not be the crisis of what we're dealing with. You might have a different issue. But in your crisis, God is, Christ is your healer. Now, before you think that healing is just a manifestation of physical attributes in you, no. Healing is defined as to be restored to one's original condition or design. That is what the word healing is defined as. It is not, oh, well, I got an ailment and God just fixes it. No, that is not what healing is. Healing, true biblical godly healing, is to restore you into the original design that God formed you in. Okay? So I need you to understand that in the middle of a crisis, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's your body, whether it's you're going through a struggle personally, he is your healer. I need you to catch this. Look at verse 48 with me for just a second because this speaks volumes to what we do as believers a lot of times. In verse 48 it says, Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. How many of you in this room believe that God is still a miracle-working God? No, 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 I need hands this morning. How many believe God still does miracles? Now, I, I will tell you this. Somebody in a church locally told me one time, God doesn't do miracles anymore. That was for the days of old. So then the scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. needs to be completely erased out of the Bible. Lo, I am with you needs to be taken out of the Bible. All these scriptures that says that God's with us and he's always there and he's taking care of us. is has got to be taken out because miracles don't happen anymore. No, miracles still happen in us as believers. And let me help you with something. Miracles are available for those that don't believe too. Whoa, oh You thought you were reserved just because you were a believer that only miracles belong to you? Let me help with something. It's a miracle you're saved. And a miracle had to find you in your sin to bring you out so that you might walk in the healing that Christ brings, the anointing. I'm trying to help some of y'all. going to catch this in a second. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders. Can I just say this to you? Why is it that we treat God like a trick pony? Dance, monkey, dance. Because if he doesn't do what we want when we want it, then he's not as big a God as we say he is. Or when we need something from God, we go, well, well, God, if you really cared. I mean, God, how could you, of all people, if you were really God, how would you let this happen? How could you let this happen? How could you? I mean, you're going to have a long conversation with God when you get to heaven. Because God's going to ask you, why did you waver in your faith? Why did you waver in what you believed? Why did you waver in who I am? Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Belief doesn't come by what you see. It comes by what you decree. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If God spoke the heavens and the earth into existence from a word, what are you saying? I've been amazed in this last couple of weeks how I've heard people of faith say things that are the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, did you read your Bible or did you just make this thing up as you went? Did you read what Scripture says over you, or do you still wonder what's really in here, or have you read it at all? How do you really walk according to what this is? We do. Why do we have to see to believe? We don't have to get hit by a car to believe that it hurts. Come on, work with me for a second. If you see a four-ton automobile coming down the street, you're not going to walk and go, ooh, let me see if that hurts. You're going to go, my physical body, that car, that's going to cause a problem. Right? Right? Come on, work with me for a second. You don't have to see death to know that death is real. You don't have to see pain to know that pain is real. Oh, look, there's fire. Let me put my hand on to see if it hurts. No, stupid, it's going to hurt. My wife and I were date night on Friday night. We're a little, little place we were sitting at, a little candle right there. I stuck my hand on top of the candle being stupid, and uh, it hurt. You'd have think at 42 I would have remembered that fire hurts. But I was trying to be cool in the moment. Put my hand like, ah, ow, Okay. <laughs> That some reason we keep thinking that God has to keep performing for him to be real. God doesn't have to do one more thing in your existence for him to be real. He is already real. Let me prove he's real. Watch, you ready? It's gonna be the greatest day of miracles in your life. Take a deep breath. There's a miracle. Work with me for just a second because you woke up this morning. Some people didn't. You're a miracle. Your family is a miracle. Well, pastor, they need help. Yeah, they might need Jesus, but they're still miracles. Stop, stop, stop determining what's a miracle. Stop waiting to see it. Listen, even in their worst spot, they're still a miracle you got to get out of this thought where you got to see something and just know that the God you serve is a miracle-working God, and he's all about healing, and, and, and you got to walk with it. We don't have to get hit by cars. We don't have to uh, die to, to see that death is real. We carry a book that is full of things that sees the creative belief of God, the healing power of God. How many more stories do you need to hear before you finally believe? But, Pastor, that's not my story, and I'm still not healed yet. Can I tell you what what healed me? I started celebrating others' healings. Because as I celebrated others' healings, God gave me a greater level of faith for my own. I started to see others more than I saw me, and I said, God, if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. Your word says you're no respecter of persons. So, God, I'm going to celebrate while they're walking in victory. Mine might not be yet, but I'm going to trust you through the process. Can I just use another sidebar? Here it comes. I'm going to get a lot of flack for this one, but I don't care. What determines healing? Your thoughts? Your expectations? Or his? Okay, let's say, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second. Let's say that I get sick and I'm in a hospital and I'm dying. And I die. Am I healed? Uh Uh-oh. No, he died. Uh Uh-uh, you didn't read your Bible. I didn't die. The Bible says I didn't die. To be absent from this life is to be present with the Lord. That is living. But we have been cultured. No, death is disappearance, death is lack. No, death is life under the things of God. So when we go, oh God, there's an issue, but God is still the God of life, stop signing up for the struggle and start signing up for the promise. I didn't die. I'm living. We were joking at the table the other night. We we're sitting at the table. I said, you know what? We were talking, I don't know how this came up, babe. We were sitting there talking about if, if, if you passed, what would we do and how life would be. I don't know where the conversation You know, my kids are 10 and 12. They ask all weird questions. And and I just point blank looked at them, I said, I need y'all to understand if your mom passes before me, I'm never getting remarried. They were like, Why? I said, because that woman will come and see me. <laughs> She'll be like, What you doing? I just know who I married, amen. And she's Italian and Polak, and I don't wanna have problems, amen. And so, uh, but, but no, what, okay, can I ask you this question? Do me a favor, right across this room, and, and everybody do this with me for a second. Just, just work with me for a second. I'm not gonna do anything weird, so just tell it. Just close your eyes, right? We said, close them. Now, if you're looking at me, you're not closing, you're in rebellion, so stop it. Just close your eyes for a second. Your eyes are closed, right? You're not looking at me. See, if I started dancing right now, say, oh, y'all want to look. Oh, y'all wanted to look. You're like I can see dancing. Okay, you got to try as close. Does God still exist? Yes. But you don't see him. But you don't see him. You might need a miracle right now, but you don't see it. But does he still exist? Yeah. See, we've got to get to the point that we don't have to see it for him to be real. But that we have to choose to believe what we've heard, what we've read, and what he's done in our lives. Why do we have to call God out for repeat performances instead of carrying the word that gives you enough of who He is? Well, God, you healed that person in the Bible like that. Why can't you do it for me? But He already did. He was wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon His flesh. When was it upon His flesh? At the cross. And by his stripes, you are healed. Why is it that we need performance to believe that word? God, you set that bad boy in motion thousands of years ago, knowing that I would go through crisis, but you conquered my crisis before I ever got into it. And if I hold on to the victorious one, I'll leave it victorious rather than get lost in the problem. We've got to get better at this as believers because, in the process of this struggle, all I keep hearing is uh, the whinings of believers. I've heard more whinings than I've heard prayers, more complaints, more frustrations. But where is God in the middle of all this? Look at verse 50. He says, Jesus said to him, He tells the man, He says, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Can I just say this to you? We must begin to believe in what he said and go, not hide. You'll catch where I'm going with that in a second. And if we don't know what he said, I'm going to tell you this. It's not a preacher's problem. It's not a God problem. It's your word problem. Because how can you not, if you have not read the book, how will you never know what he said? Oh, but well, pastor, I'm just waiting for you to preach a good word so I can hear what he said. That's the problem. You just want to hear me tell it rather than you read it for yourself. Manuals don't work unless you read them. I can tell you what's in the manual. You'll still break something or do something wrong. But when you start to get it for yourself, then you start to realize how big the God is that you serve. Why is it we don't? Can I just, say, can I just, can I just share this with you? I'm an old school preacher. I'm an old school believer. I I'm normally 42, but I believe in the tangible word of God. I am not a iPhone, iPad, cell phone, Bible person. Let me tell you why. When the lights go out and the power dies and you can't charge your phone, you're going to have something missing in your existence. You know, back in the day, we used to jokingly have Bible drills. Y'all remember those? Amen. You had to find Scripture really fast. You, you felt accomplished when you found that Scripture because you, you knew you had arrived in the things of God. Amen. And, but, but you know what's funny today? It's, it's like we say open up your Bible. The church collectively, not you, the church collectively doesn't even know what it is. Because the church now belongs on the screen. The Bible now belongs on the screen in the middle of service. So what happens when you don't have a projector and a screen when you get home on a Monday? Where are you going, oh, i got to wait till I get back to Sunday? Could you imagine what we would look like as believers if we didn't wait to get the word but we started to get the word now? we got to believe in what he said and then go. He says, go your way. Your son lives. When was the last time God spoke something to you and you just went because you trusted it rather than had to see him do something in order for you to move? It goes on in verse 51, it says, and he says, and and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, said, I'm sorry, they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. Christ is your healer. Do you believe it? See, I can say it all day. I can tell you this all day, but you have to choose whether you're going to believe it. I am a fervent believer. When I wake up in the morning and my blood pressure's up or something's off and I know it's off, I I have to subscribe to the healing power of God. That doesn't mean I don't take my blood pressure medicine. So please don't go, oh, he's one of those. He's he's not living by faith. He's taking his medicine. No, dummy, I'm taking my blood pressure medicine. (laughs) I'm going to take it, but I'm still trusting God. I took the medicine when my heart was acting stupid, and I kept trusting God. I've done this my entire... Why is it that we don't trust Him until we see some kind of big thing happen? Do you think God's tired of performing? (laughs) Do you think God's tired of performing because you choose not to believe? Because if we keep asking God to perform, and we keep living in unbelief, is that fair to the God that we say we serve? We really don't serve him. We don't live for him. We just like to play in his backyard and reap the fringe benefits of a God that will save us from hell. Let me be honest with you for a side moment. I'm trying to get the point, too, but I'm having a struggle right now because this is a part that deals with me all the time. Why is it that we treat God like a sugar daddy? Why? Why? God, as long as you're giving to me, I'll stay. But when you stop, I'm not going to. And then we get mad because God's not, we don't feel like God's with us. We don't feel his presence and his power. God says, you didn't ask for my presence and your power. You asked for a handout. There's a difference. You asked for me to have a moment of emotion rather than a lifetime and longevity of eternal peace and power. You just wanted a second, and I want to give you a lifetime. Right. But what you ask for, I'll give. Yeah. I will not give you more than what your faith can handle. For the same measure of faith you pour out it's the same measure he pours back. Right. God says, where is, can I just say this to you for a second? What if your faith became bigger than you? Hey, youth, if y'all need to be quiet over there, please. Win, 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 win. When? Some of y'all are going, why'd he call them out? Well, that's growth. Amen. And my son's on the second row. Praise God. At the same time, we have to get to a place. Because here's the truth of it. Here's the truth of it. And teenagers, don't get mad at me because I did that to you. I love you with all my heart. Y'all know that. But here's the truth. I don't want them 42 years old figuring this out. I don't want them long down the road. How many of y'all wish you could save them from what you went through? So how do we get them there? Here it comes. What I see, what I hear, what I know. I don't just believe, baby. I decree and declare. And I declare it unto all generations. And I'm not going to waver in it so that the ones coming up behind me will grab a hold of the one that I serve. Now, let me help with something. That generation is watching you. What will you say next? That generation is watching what you'll do. What will you do next? Oh, well, no, I'm just sitting here hoping that God will work. That is not how it works. Hope doesn't float boats, baby. You can have hope in God. It is when you hope in God that he comes and delivers you. But once he delivers you, you now have to live by faith. What are we waiting for? I don't care about a pandemic. I don't care about coronavirus. I don't care about COVID-19. I don't care about the struggle. I serve a God that delivers and heals and restores and holds and speaks and walks with you and talks with you. He doesn't quit. He doesn't walk away. He's always there. You got to get in that same boat. The boat's rocking, Pastor, the boat's rocking. Okay, jump off or just know who's in the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, we're going to die. We're going, we're going to die. Maybe you should learn how to swim. <laughs> because here's the truth, that the moment you got saved, you got an opportunity to learn how. Yeah. And then we keep complaining while we're in a boat that we don't know how to swim. And God goes, so you didn't read the manual? Because I left you a manual and taught you how to swim. I'm trying to help you out. God, 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 God. Stop. stop. I'm not going to let you die, but I'm trying to teach you. I'm not going to let you fall, but I'm trying to walk with you. Let me give you a couple quick scriptures. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. I didn't even put these on the screens. Exodus 15, 26 says, For I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who does what? Heal. So does he heal? Yes. Hello. Psalms 147, 3 says this. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I'm just trying to give you just two. That's just two. I just want to give you two. Just two scriptures, because so many times we don't even know how to combat what we feel because we don't know a word to declare bigger than our opinions and our emotions. Yes, right. Did you understand that the power of the word is far bigger than what you think? And half the time it's bigger than what you know. And if we let the word overcome our emotions, it's amazing what we might walk out decreeing and declaring. Yes. Can I, can I, uh, I want to get into this last one. I'm going to try. We'll see. We might have to stop. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says this. You Ready? So what is Christ? Christ is my what? My healer. He's my healer, right? How many of y'all got issues right now? You got issues? Come on, welcome to yourself. I need a healer. Okay. You understand that the moment you raised your hand, <laughs> I set you up, whether you realize it or not. I did. I called you out. Out of the wilderness into his marvelous light. I just did it right there. So my hand's up again. How many of y'all got to struggle right now? Some of y'all's hands are going back down. Oh, he put me in that hole. Pastor. Way to go. No, no, keep your hand up. As if like we tell God that we need a healing as if we failed because we need healing. Huh? But there is a difference between saying I need a healing, and then walking around and keep saying I need healing, I need healing, I need healing, I need healing, I need healing. I need healing. You've now admitted that you need healing. Who's going to heal you? Ooh, it got quiet in this Presbyterian church all of a sudden. You saw that? <laughs> <Just> went, <laughs> why, why, why? Why? How many of y'all said I need a healing? Who's going to heal you? Do you believe it? So when you walk out of this door, you can't say anything else. Because true belief changes your vocabulary. Because what you believe, you say. You ever heard that cycle? What you say, you hear. What you hear, you believe. What you believe, you say. What you say, you hear, you hear. It becomes a repetitive cycle. So how many of y'all, in the midst of needing a healing, you said other things contrary to what the word declares over you? I'm dying in this. My body hurts so bad. It's never going to change. Years ago, years ago. Uh, probably four or five years ago, I had really bad back issues and, and I had disc issues in my spine. And one morning I called my wife and I said, I said, baby, I said, I need you to pray. And I was in tears driving. i drove driven my kids to school and I was trying to do things for the church. And I said, sweetheart, I need you to pray. I, I, I'm i having thoughts that I shouldn't have because the pain was that deep. Uh, I, I literally walked like a cripple. I couldn't stand up straight. My my back was, I'd, I'd have hemorrhaging moments, or I'd lock up, and 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 I was like, "Baby, you gotta pray." And I and I I, I said, "I just need you to pray." And she prayed, and I got off the phone, and, and and this is what God said to me, in all this, and 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 maybe God talks to you like this. Maybe He doesn't talk to you. but This is what He said to me. He said, "Brian, why did you need her permission to get healing? I've already declared healing over you." And, of course, I argued. Well, God, you said in your word, ready to gather, agreeing upon one thing, it shall be done. He said, yes, I did say that. But you know who I am. You know who I am. You've seen me work. You've watched what I do. And now you didn't come to me. You went to her. And I am God. She is not. You go, Pastor, that's really rough. But what I'm trying to share with you, though, is that I had seen God. I knew God. I had felt God. But in a moment of my crisis, I didn't call on God. And it's not that she didn't have the power of the anointing to pray for me. And I received the prayer she had. But it was from that day forward. And I mean this with everything in me. I have not one time had that much pain in my body concerning my back since that day. Why? Because I subscribe to the power of a healing God, not to subscribe to the healing prayers of my wife. Because she cannot be my source. She is connected to the source. There are moments that you will go through that you need somebody to pray for you and stand in agreement with you. But do not get addicted to others standing in agreement with you because you refuse to go home and get it from the Father himself. You can have someone to stand strong, stand firm in the faith with you, but do not rest in someone else. Rest in the Lord. Rest and trust in him. He shall supply. Not my wife, not my family members, not church members, not my own mama. He shall supply all of my needs. Stop. Pastor Ben, come on. As much as I want to get to the next point, you're going to have to come back next week. Pastor, don't do that to us. Well, sometimes you have to know when to stop. Because I sense some of what I said today is a struggle for some of you to receive. Because we have been cultured to need everything else but God. We've been cultured to need someone else's response other than God's. I have an answer for the coronavirus. I know you're going to say, oh, Pastor, we know it is. You're a preacher. You're going to say it's God. Well, if you knew that, then don't argue with me. Because I have an answer. I have the cure to cancer. Pastor, no, you don't. Shut up. I have a family who died to cancer. You can't say that. Did they die? Or were they received? Did cancer kill them or did God bring them home? One of the greatest conversations I think I've ever had in 42 years of life was with Darius Davenport years ago when his mama passed away of cancer. And the cancer came in swiftly and it took her fast. And I remember doing the funeral, and, and, and he, we were talking prior to it. And he said, You know, I said, I was really frustrated in the moment. And God gave him that word of, and it, cha- it challenged me, it changed me. God spoke to Darius when I said, I didn't, your mama didn't die. He said, I received her home. It was her time. You could only see death. But you got to see life. For some reason, we are so cultured to the spirit of death. That when COVID-19 came out, all we did was go, oh God, we're all going to die. This is that walking dead moment we've been waiting for. It's going to be zombies walking around Louisiana. Dig a bunker. We're all going to have to kill everybody. Okay, like, stop. Like, I, we had conversations in our home, like, because of the hysteria, I was like, listen, I, I don't, if it doesn't slow down at some point, you're going to have to really make sure we lock the doors and protect certain things. I mean, if people steal your Christmas packages off your front porch, that's only a matter of time for them come through your front door. And she said, Pastor, why you had to bring that up? Why, now, now I gotta go and lock my doors. <laughs> it was an honest conversation between the two of us, but it didn't put me in a space of fearfulness where I was like, oh God, I'm gonna sit on my couch all night with a shotgun in my hand. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. Because here's what I've learned in the midst of every crisis, the best way to analogize it is the rocking boat. You ever been on a rocking boat? You ever been afraid the boat was going to tip? And the Bible says that Jesus laid in the boat asleep. i got to be careful. I'm starting to get into my next point. It says that the boat was about to tip, and Jesus was asleep. I've always wondered, why, Jesus, why did you sleep? You knew that the storm was going on. He said, my existence will always be a marker to bring you to a greater place, not to keep you where you are. He said, I slept in the boat hoping that they would crawl up next to me and find the same peace that I operated in. The Bible says in that book of Mark that we were going to read today, that was my next point, it says that Jesus stood up. And I can just hear Jesus. I don't think he just went, peace, be still. Because he was frustrated. Because these men had seen who Jesus was. They were crossing over to the other side. They had watched the miracle power of Jesus operate. And they're on their way to this. I, I, I think Jesus knew the storm was coming. He's like, watch this. And so they went to the other side, and, and it, the storm hits, and, and they're panicking. And they said, How can you sleep lest we die? But then the scripture goes away that he neither slumbers nor sleeps. And he gets up and he says, You know what? Peace. Be still. And I'm sure the disciples at that moment felt completely ignorant. And I'm sure that even after he spoke peace to the waves, they still couldn't sleep. Because now they had the complexity of figuring out why their faith wasn't where it was supposed to be. If God's going to be my healer, if God's going to be my deliverer, then shouldn't I just find rest in him? I was talking to somebody this week, last story. I was talking to somebody this week. And they were telling me about how they had a fear of death. I don't know if you ever had that. I did for years. Let me, let me explain to you why. Let me explain to you real quick. Uh, I had a morbid fear of death. And it wasn't the fact of dying. It was the fact of not existing. I'm a dad. I got four great kids. I love my wife. I don't want to leave before them. As a dad, I want to be there for my kids. When, uh, this is my thoughts. Just work with me for a second. I want to be there when they go through it. Take me after they go, God, so I can hold their hand in the middle of the struggle. And God says, if you have to stay to hold their hand, then you didn't teach them how to hold mine. Okay. So then I go through that thing. And God said, God, well, where's my issue with death? Somebody answer the phone, amen. What is my issue with death? And God says, it's not that you have an issue with death, it's that you have an issue with life. The Lord's calling. Somebody please answer him, amen. He's always on time, hallelujah. It's all love, it's all love. Trust me, I've had way worse in the middle of a service, amen. That was God being comic relief right there. I don't know if y'all realize that. Like, Brian, you're being too serious. Let's lighten the load. But in the process of my fear of death, God says, you have a fear of life. And I realized I wasn't enjoying life. I was fearing death. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how I got healed from the fear of death. I started to love life. I stepped back. My wife this. I stepped back from the schedule. I stepped back from the, I'm a workaholic. I, if there's not something to do, I'll find something to do. I'll create something to do. That's just the way I'm built. I am my grandfather's grandson. Like, that's just who I am. And, and, and it's just the way I'm built. And I'll always find a project to do. And now I'm like, I don't want to do any projects. Tiff want to do a project. I was like, no, we're done. I'm off. No, don't want to do it. Last night, my daughter wanted to watch Frozen 2. God help us. And then she wanted to sing every song. And I'm like, can I just watch the movie? And she's like, no, I want to sing the song, Dad. And, ah. <laughs> and, and I knew I had to get ready for this morning. And I knew I had to get prepared for this morning. And I find myself on the couch, laying on the couch with her, just having a dad-daughter moment and not realizing that this, that, that's life, baby. She leaned over to me. She kind of nuzzled up to me. She said, This is a daddy-daughter movie night. And I'm like, you want to watch it again? That's what I'm trying to show you is is that in the midst of everything that we're dealing with, enjoy life. Because God gave it to you. Don't go hide it, hoping that this passes. Can can I just tell you this? i got to be careful. Because I'm not a doctor, i got to be real careful. This existed. We just finally found it. Don't let things that get uncovered create hysteria. Continue to serve the same God that's always been faithful through everything. And this will fade. We had epidemics last year. We had epidemics. Guys, we have epidemics every year. And God's still God. So when you leave here today, as you walk out of this place, say, my encouragement to you is, Have faith, let fear die, and walk in this one truth this week. That God is your healer. He's your healer. He's your healer. There's no reason he doesn't want to heal you. Subscribe to his healing power. Go from crisis to Christ is. Go from the crisis to getting under the anointing and watch what will cover your home. Let the the blood of the lamb be wiped over the doorpost of your house. Let your home be surrounded by his grace and his mercy and his healing power. And when we come back together next week, we'll be able to celebrate how big God is and how he's kept us like he always has. Everybody stand to your feet.